Amen. This morning, maybe you noticed up front, in just a few minutes, we're going to come to the Lord's table and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as we just thank God for the cross and we thank God for Jesus Christ. But before we do that, we're going to look at His Word. And so to do that, we're going to continue in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask that you turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And we're just going to do what we've been doing over the past year and a half or so. Just walking through the book of Luke, verse by verse, seeing Jesus Christ in every verse. Because that's what the book of Luke is. It's a story about Jesus. And so this morning, it'll be no different. We'll see Jesus Christ in this story. I've loved studying Luke because as we've done this the past year or so, it seems like every time I have a need, I find it in the verses that we read that week. And that's how God works in our life through His Word. It's live and it's active. That's what it says. And He uses it to bless His children. This morning we'll look there in Luke 8. Years ago, before we moved here, we lived down on the coast in southeast Georgia. And one of the things I used to like to do, I don't get to do it anymore because of my knees, but I used to like to run a lot. And when I would run, is I would usually run at night. We would put the girls down to bed, and then I would usually go out and run. And the reason I would do that is because I like to be outside, especially at night, because I like to be under the stars. For whatever reason, when I'm outside under the stars, I feel closer to God at that moment than any other time in my life. And I can remember one night in particular I did that. We put the girls down to bed, and I went outside, and it was a Thursday night actually, and I went out to run. And we lived on a big salt marsh, so it was out in the middle of really nowhere, and it was pitch black that night, but the stars were shining brighter than ever. And as I was running, I just looked up to the heavens, and the stars were shining down, and I was praying as I was running, and it was just glorious, and I just loved it. But I can remember as I was running, I turned, and as I turned on the road that I was running on, I was facing towards Amelia Island. We didn't live too far from Amelia Island, so I was facing Amelia Island, and as I looked at Amelia Island, I didn't see stars in the sky, I saw a thunderstorm. And it was an impressive thunderstorm, in fact. When the lightning would strike, it would flash and it would light up the whole sky. And you would hear thunder clapping not long after the lightning would flash. And so I just, it was almost in awe of it, so I just stopped and I just looked at that storm and I just watched it and it was a beautiful thing to watch. But as I stood there watching that storm, one thing I realized, I looked up and I saw that the stars were shining down on me, but I also realized just a few miles away the storm was raging over someone else. That's kind of how life is, isn't it? There's some of you in this room that don't have a care in the world. But there's some of you in this room who you feel like the weight of the world is crushing you. Because maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe there's a trial, a circumstance in your life beyond your control. Nothing you can do. Nothing really you can hope for. So this morning as we look to God's Word, we're going to look at a storm. Most importantly, we're not going to focus on the storm. but We're going to focus on the purpose of the storm. Because if you're a child of God, every storm has a purpose. Every one. Because God, if you will allow Him, will use it in your life to make you like Jesus Christ. So this morning we're just going to read about it. Let me just set it up before we do. We've been studying a lot in Luke 8. We've been here a while, in fact. If you remember at the beginning of Luke 8, the Bible tells us that large crowds started following Jesus. This is the first time large crowds started following Him. 
And they were following him because they heard about him. And they heard about the miracles. And they heard about him casting out demons and healing the sick and the lame walking and the blind seeing. They heard all this. And they wanted to be ministered to. They wanted to hear him teach. They wanted a part of Jesus. So large crowds had gathered and they were flocking. They were coming to Jesus Christ. And the disciples were there. And they were ministering alongside Jesus. And they were bringing all those hurting people to Jesus. And Jesus would touch them and he would heal them. But the disciples were right there in the middle of it. And if you've ever ministered to hurting people, you know it's difficult, especially if you care for the people and you love them. It's draining spiritually and physically and emotionally, and it will wear you out. And so the disciples have been doing this day after day, week after week, and they were tired of these crowds following. They were just worn out. So one night, about this time of year, in fact, Jesus said, hey, let's get in a boat and let's leave. And the disciples were glad to hear that because they wanted some rest. And they believed with all their heart they could get out on the Sea of Galilee. It was a calm night. The water was silky smooth. And they believed they could get out for a few hours on the Sea of Galilee and they could rest. But Actually, the opposite happened. Because the Bible here tells us that a storm came down upon the lake. And I want you to see what happened. So look there in Luke 8. We're going to start reading in verse 22. The Bible says this. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and they started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went to wake Jesus up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly, the storm stopped. All was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives the command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Now to understand this story... You've got to understand one thing in particular. You have to answer a question to understand what God wants to teach you through this text. And here's the question. Whose idea was it for the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake? I mean, our text supplies that answer. In verse 22, it says, One day Jesus said to His disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. The text tells us that it was Jesus Christ's idea to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Now here's what you've got to understand. Jesus knew about the storm that was going to come down on the lake. He knew what was going to happen to that tiny boat on the Sea of Galilee. He knew the disciples were going to be fearful for their lives. He knew that they were not going to be able to save themselves. He knew all of this, but what did He do anyway? He led them right into the storm. You see, that's what God does in our lives. He leads us into storms. But what you must understand is the storm's not sent to destroy you. The storm's not sent because God doesn't care. The storm is sent for a purpose. So this morning, I just want you to see that purpose. Just a couple of things. Number one, and you probably already know this, if you're in a storm, especially you know this, Storms do one thing in particular. Storms create fear. That's what the storm did in the disciples' life. You can see that. It's implied in Luke, but in Mark's version, in Mark chapter 4, it says the exact same story that Luke tells here in Luke chapter 8. 
But Jesus asked in Mark chapter 4 a specific question to the disciples, not just where is your faith, but He says this before this. He says, why are you afraid? Now that's a good question. Why are you afraid of this storm? Now remember the one asking this. The one asking this is a carpenter. And who is he asking? Well, the most part he's asking fishermen, professional fishermen. Most of the disciples grew up on the Sea of Galilee. They had been in storm after storm on the Sea of Galilee. Especially the professionals, those that fished professionally. Several of them did that. They had been storm after storm. And they'd always just came out of the storm, no idea whatsoever. So Jesus asked, okay, this is just another storm. Why are you so afraid? Well, here's why they were afraid. And I believe the disciples were a lot more afraid of something than the storm. They were afraid of the response of Jesus Christ. Or the response they thought Jesus had. Look at what the text says. Verse 23. As they sailed across, Jesus did what? He settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water. They were in danger. And the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. But that's not the only question they asked him. In Mark 4, when they came and they shouted to him, they said, Pastor, don't you care that we're going to drown? The disciples woke Jesus up and asked him the question that we've all asked a million times in a million ways. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that my child's sick? Don't you care that my marriage is falling apart? Don't you care that all my friends have left me? Don't you care that I've lost my job? Lord, don't you care? And to the disciples, it seemed like Jesus Christ didn't care. Why? Because He was asleep when they were going through the storm. We've all felt that way. Because in the middle of the storm, we don't feel Jesus. We don't see Jesus. We don't hear Jesus. All we can think about is what is surrounding us and the circumstances and the pain and the heartache. But here's the truth of this text. Jesus Christ was in the boat the whole time. He never left the boat. He never left the disciples' side. They just perceived that He did. But He was there. And just like He knew every wave that hit that boat, He knew it was every wave that's crashing down over your life right now. And not only does He know, but He cares. Because He's always there. Listen to this promise of Scripture. In Isaiah 41, this is what God says. He says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Jesus Christ is saying this morning that I am with you. But here's the second thing you need to understand about storms. Please understand that every storm has a purpose. I know I repeat myself when I say that, but you must understand that because in the middle of the storm, it seems like they have no purpose. But according to Scripture, they do. And let me just give you two of them. There are many, but here's two. The worst one is this. Storms, when they come into our life, they force us to cry out to God. That's what happened to the disciples. Verse 24, the disciples went and woke Jesus up. And what were they doing? They were shouting or they were crying out, Master, Master, we're going to drown. What happened to these disciples is what happens to us many times in our life. We come to the end of ourselves, and we realize we can't control the situation. We can't do anything about it. And we know that we're desperate without Him. And we must in that moment cry out to Him because that's all we got left. Many years ago, about 10 years ago, I can remember being in Cuba. I went to Cuba and we were ministering to some churches there. And we were teaching and we were preaching and going to different churches just to encourage them and to help them so they could grow. And one day in particular, we were going to fly from Havana to Guantanamo Bay. If you've ever been to Cuba, you realize there's no international airlines in Cuba. All you got is Cuban airlines. And the airline I was on that day was Cubana. 
give you a piece of advice. If you ever listen to anything I say, don't fly Cubana Airlines. That's all I'll say. Because I can remember going out to the Havana airport and we walked out on the runway and we went up to this old Russian airplane. And this Russian airplane was an old war plane from many years ago that they had retrofitted into a transport plane where they put seats in. It's all they did. And this was a yak, a Russian yak. Never fly on a Russian yak. If you've never done it, it's a blessing, but don't do it. Because it's only about a 30-minute flight from Havana to Guantanamo Bay, but I can remember we got up in the air, and whenever we got to the altitude we were going to be in, we were about 20 minutes from Guantanamo Bay, and all of a sudden that airplane filled with smoke. And it was so thick that I could not see the hand in front of my face. You can imagine the scene on the airplane. Everybody started screaming and crying. And the flight attendants got up, and I couldn't understand a word they were saying, but they were trying to calm people down. And I sat there realizing that I can't fly this plane. I can't make this smoke dissipate. I am completely and utterly helpless. And the only thing I could do is what? I prayed. It's all I could do. It's all I had left. So I prayed. That's what storms force us to do. They force us to cry out to God. But listen to what God says when we cry out. Psalm 34, 17. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them in all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue them each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Maybe this morning your heart is broken. And God is saying, cry out to me. And I will hear you. Not only does the Bible tell us that about storms, it tells us one more thing. Not only do storms force us to cry out to God, but storms are sent to strengthen our faith. Luke 8.25, Jesus asked the question, where is your faith? So often we have the wrong idea about faith. Because I hear this a lot. I hear someone say, well, they just got more faith than I got. Or boy, their faith is strong. And it's the implication that God dwells out faith. He gives it some people more than He gives to others. That's not the way faith works. If you are a child of God through Jesus Christ, you got the same amount of faith that everybody else got. We all get the same amount. But here's the truth about faith. Faith is like a muscle. And what happens to a muscle if you exercise that muscle and you strengthen it? It gets stronger and it gets bigger, right? What happens if you don't exercise that muscle? It shrinks and it goes into atrophy and you can't even use those muscles anymore. So how, do our, how does our faith strengthen? Well, unfortunately, through storms. If you have no storms in your life, I can guarantee you, you have little faith. It's just the reality of Scripture. Because God sends faith to strengthen us. There is no shortcuts to spiritual growth. And storms are not a detour. They're there to strengthen you. And God sends them to make you more like Jesus Christ. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 1.7. He says these trials, trials, circumstances, hardships, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. The most important part of that text there in 1 Peter 1.7 is not that we're going to have trials because we know it. Jesus promises it. 
But it's that will show. These trials will show that. That will show that tells us that our trials have a purpose. You need to circle that. You need to understand it. And the purpose of our trials is to prove that our faith is genuine and to strengthen our faith. Anybody can come into this room on a Sunday morning and they can put on nice clothes and put on a smile and they can say spiritual things. And when someone asks them if they're okay, they can say, yes, I'm okay, I'm great. But that doesn't prove your faith. When your faith is proved is when you're going in the midst of a trial, when the weight of the world is crashing down upon you. But when that trial proves your faith is genuine, your family and your loved ones and the world, they see that. The world out there, they're watching what happens to us when our faith is shaken. When things are happening to us that we can't endure, but yet we stand firm. They may not understand what we believe, but they see our faith and they want that. Because they want to know God. And what proves our faith is when we stand strong in trials. Now some people teach the exact opposite of it. But listen to me. It is not truth. It is heresy. Some people teach, oh well if you have enough faith, you can avoid trials. That is malarkey. Because listen to me, according to this text, according to Scripture, it is through the trials that your faith is strengthened. It's not that you have enough faith to manipulate God to keep you from the trials. God sends the trials for a purpose. Again, I ask the question, who led the disciples into the storm? Whose idea was it? It was Jesus Christ. He led them into the midst of the storm. And He will lead you into the midst of the storm. But it's not to harm you. It's not to break you. It's to make you more like Him. Storms strengthen our faith. But one last thing that I love about this text. That is this. Jesus Christ still speaks to storms. Not only does He speak to storms. When He speaks, storms listen. Look at verse 24. When Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Mark 4 says it like this, When Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Hush, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. The most important word in both of those texts is suddenly. When Jesus Christ spoke, guess what happened? The storm stopped. It wasn't a few minutes later, it wasn't an hour later. When the cloud passed, when He spoke to the storm, it stopped and all was calm. The only thing you could hear that night on the Sea of Galilee was the heartbeat of the disciples. Because Jesus spoke because He's still Lord of the storm. And not only is He Lord of the storm, He is Lord of your life. And no matter what you're going through, no matter how broken you feel, when you cry out to God, He still speaks to the storm. How do we cry out? Well, the Bible tells us that we do it through prayer. One of the greatest verses in Scripture about prayer is in Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul says this. He says, don't be anxious or don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He has done. And then verse 7 says, then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Cry out to God. Then you will experience peace. Many of you, if you know anything about history, know the date, April 15th, 1912. That date was a Monday night. And that Monday night, the Titanic sank. Now I understand the Titanic didn't sink because of a storm. It sank because of an iceberg. But before its maiden voyage, 
the Titanic was labeled the unsinkable ship. In fact, when passengers were boarding the ship, one crew member said to one of the passengers, even God Himself couldn't sink this ship. Well, we know what happened. The ship sank. And that night, over 1,500 people lost their lives because there weren't enough lifeboats on the unsinkable ship. Most people know that story. They just don't know what happened after the story. The Titanic was built in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Many of the people who were crew members on that boat for its maiden voyage lived in Belfast. In fact, there were 16 engineers who all went to one church there in Belfast. It was the First Presbyterian Church. After that Monday night, the next Sunday morning when they gathered for worship, their pastor, his name was Andrew Smith, he preached on this text in Luke chapter 8. He preached about the storm. At the very end of his sermon... This is what he said. He said, there's only one vessel in all of history that was truly unsinkable. It was that little boat occupied by the sleeping Savior on the Sea of Galilee. And he said this. He said, and only the hearts that can weather the storms of life are the heart with Jesus Christ inside. One final point. And it is this. Jesus Christ is in your boat. You're going to make it to the other side. That's what he said. He said, hey, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Guess what happened after the storm? They made it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Because if he's in your boat, you're going to make it. Now, I can't promise you that your storm's going to go and be quick. I can't promise you the intensity of the storm. I can't tell you that it's going to be easy. But I can promise you this. If Jesus is in your boat, He promises that He will never leave your boat. He says in Isaiah 41, I am with you. In Deuteronomy 31, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He repeats it in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He promises it. But not only did He promise it, He proved it. And He proved it when He died on the cross. And when He gave His life for you, so that you could have Jesus Christ inside your heart, if you would just put your faith in Him. So this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to come celebrate that truth of Scripture. And we're going to remember the cross, and remember Jesus Christ and the work He did there. And we're going to come to the table, and we're going to do what the church has done for 2,000 years Before we come to the table, I just need to give some words of instruction.